DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. We're joined now by Bill Bender, national college football writer for the Sporting News. He's based in Columbus, Ohio. Bill, good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? We're good. How would you describe this year? Is this a roller coaster? Is this bizarro world? Is this just another chapter in 2020? And why should college football be any different? How do you sum this thing up? Oh, it's just been wild. Every I say hour to hour. You say you just take it one day at a time. Now you literally have to take it one hour at a time. Um, some things have gone obviously with the scheduling nightmare for some of these schools. I mean, obviously, felt in the Pac-12 too. I, I, you know, it's nothing. It's made it real difficult for me, quite honestly, to cover the sport because I'm such a creature of routine. So when we look at this potential four-team playoff of the Big Ten, which I think was right, why penalize Ohio State if somebody else can't play? But I'm wondering that as we go forward, assuming Ohio State gets in with Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and maybe that could change. Maybe Clemson could get bumped out, so it would be moot. But assuming that those four do get in, do teams like uh, A&M, Florida, Cincinnati, maybe even Miami, do they have any claim to any foundation of a legitimate argument? You know, so I've been kind of playing this one out in my head. Let's uh, kind of walk through If you walk through this with me, let's say um, Florida beats Alabama, Notre Dame beats Clemson, Ohio State wins, they're not going to lose. So you're going to have Clemson sitting there with two losses. you got to assume Florida – and Alabama probably be, or let's say Alabama beats Florida. So Alabama, yeah. Notre Dame, Ohio State are in. Clemson and Florida have two losses. A&M has a loss. Big 12 champion has two losses. And Cincinnati and the Pac-12 champion are undefeated. Who gets that fourth spot? Not Cincinnati or the Pac-12, because it's college football, and there are grudges, and there is power, and there are wrestling matches behind the scenes, and they're not getting it. And it's it's wild to think that that scenario is actually out there. Um, and I yeah I, I'm trying to pick who would get it. I think it would be A and M, and that's just not sitting well with me either because I watched them lose to twenty eight by twenty eight to Alabama once. Why do I need to see that again? <laughs> um, right. I would personally give it to Cincinnati in that event based on what I've seen. But it, you know, a group of five school isn't going to make it and. I'm wondering why USC – I'd never think – you know, I'm 41 years old. Never thought I would see a time when USC would not be getting playoff hyped as an undefeated team and be ranked as low as they are. Yeah. So when you talk to people about this and run this uh, scenario past them, what kind of reaction do you get? Well, I mean, everybody kind of – in it for themselves, I, I think the, the re- I got to go write this to see what Twitter thinks because you know Twitter's always right, right? <laughs> yeah, so uh, <laughs> social media gets this right. Well, no, I mean, like, who do you think would get it? Like, if I, I put it out there for you, who do you think it's A and M? Yeah, I do too. So, I mean, that's the hard part for me because they're not even going to play for a conference championship, and and you're kind of going to sit there and and maybe play Tennessee next week as your. Uh, is your big win, and it's unfair to Cincinnati. It's unfair to USC. It's unfair to call. I, I like how you put it. It's kind of that's college football for you. And um, you know, I've been dealing with the Big Ten mess all week this week. But I think for all the hand wringing about it, they made the right call. 
Say both Ute or not Utah, Colorado and SC win this week to remain undefeated. And over on the north, Oska, obviously both those teams are from the south. You're having a team that SC would play with two losses potentially. Would you? I would be in favor of the Pac-12 saying, no, we're going to pick Colorado and SC, two teams that are undefeated. They haven't played a ton of games, but neither has Ohio State, and put those two in there to square off and then increase my chances should things break their way, which has to happen, I understand that, of getting a Pac-12 team in. But they're not going to do it from what we hear, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. Can you comment on that? Why wouldn't you do it? Right, like yeah. this, the college football is um, the worst parenting tip for your kids this year. I've kind of coined this a little bit this week. You, you'd say if you're in that Pac-12 meeting, say, "Well, everybody else is doing it. Yeah, why shouldn't we?" I mean, <laughs> right. literally, right. that's that's what you should do. Um, the ACC moved their schedule around. The Big Ten did what they did. I honestly wouldn't have a problem if the Pac-12 did that, and I wouldn't. I've said this all week. I wouldn't have a problem if. Alabama and Florida didn't play this week. Just, you know, sit out. You've already clinched the divisions. You know, you decrease the COVID-19 risk by playing Arkansas and LSU, which we know you're both going to win, and go play in Atlanta next week. Bill Bender joining us, National College Football Writer for the Sporting News. Speaking of LSU, they have self-imposed a one-year bowl ban, adding to a list of self-imposed sanctions. They waited to do it until they were 3-5 and five in a year where we're already down about a quarter of the bowl games and we may lose more. Is this the most pathetic self-hand-slapping? I mean, is anyone buying this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you saw those tweets. Like, like for, for me, it would be, okay, well, I'm going to, self-impose a ban on um, White Castle for the rest of the year or something. I'm not going there anyway, so uh, it's kind of like that. Um, yeah, and it's they've been the one program, I've never, this is 2020 in a nutshell too, that they go from a national championship, one of the best teams I've seen, with the best quarterback, with one of the best seasons ever to happen, to this, a mess on the field, mess at quarterback, a mess off the field. Whether it was the Darius Geis allegations, the uh, stuff that happened with Odell Beckham Jr. on the field, and proper benefits, it's, it's all out there now. So, you know, Ed Orgeron's going to survive this, but I think what it did was basically cancel out everything they did last year, and then he'll head into 2021 with quite a bit of pressure on him. What are your thoughts on the Jim Harbaugh-Michigan situation? Oh, you know, <laughs> I, get, I get that one a lot, too, and I think... It's strange to say it this way because they didn't duck Ohio State. They didn't purposely try to ruin Ohio State's season. Um, you know, when you have 45 guys out, you can't play. I think I think what happened this week, though, will make in the, another one I've kind of coined here, an extension will be slightly more palatable for Michigan fans. Uh, they're going to have to make some changes to their defensive staff. They're going to be facing a lot of pressure next year, given what they showed this year in six games, which wasn't very good. Um, I just don't know. Unless Harbaugh wants to move on and go to the NFL, I don't think they're in a big hurry to get rid of him. And um, they're going to have to recruit better. It's a big checklist. And if they if he ends up walking, you got to go get Matt Campbell like right now. 
Uh, is Fickle of Cincinnati all set? Is he going to move? There aren't going to be that many jobs open, but there are some jobs open. Is everything just kind of, is the coaching carousel going to be largely status quo? Because he seems to be right at the top of the list. Right. Um, well, there's five openings that have come open, and Shane Beamer filled one of them at South Carolina. I think this year, just for various reasons, obviously, um, COVID-19, uh, budget cuts, those kind of things, there may be fewer. I mean, typically I go through this part of the year and there's 20 or more in the FBS out of the 130. Um, there, there could be 12 to 15 maybe this year. There's always a couple surprises. And, um, you know, the fact that Texas and Michigan are probably going to stay put might be an indicator for the rest of the Power Five for those programs that are thinking, okay, it's time to make a move. I mean, now you're way in the Pac-12. I don't I, – they had their cycle last year. I don't know if a lot will pop open in the Pac-12. You guys may feel differently. You're closer to it than I am. No, I think you're right. So that makes it, you know, less stressful for me over the next couple of weeks. And that's one of the things that we're going to experience here in the next two weeks is it's very compressed from conference championship week, from an everyday schedule change, from the fact that I've got, you know, I, I do our bull projections every week and there, there's teams that have accepted bull bids. There's a bull game on the day of the conference championship games. <laughs> it, it, it really is, you know, like I said, it, it's broken up my routine a lot, but I'm still enjoying it. Going big picture, is there a little bit of an issue with college football in that it seems like it's the same handful, maybe two handfuls of teams that are really only competing for the college playoff every year? You know, two disturbing texts I get a lot from my friends are, well, I get a lot of disturbing texts, but these two in particular. Um, comparing it to women's basketball, when you had Tennessee and UConn and Notre Dame going to the Final Four every year, it's very apt. And then comparing it to AAU basketball, where, and this isn't Clemson and Alabama and Ohio State's fault. They, they develop guys, get them ready for the NFL, but these kind of super teams, you look at the recruiting rankings, that hasn't changed. And some people think that an 18 playoff would open that up a little bit, but it's kind of my contention that Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State would just crush everybody in the quarterfinal. Maybe that would balance out over not, but it's really hard to compete with those three programs. You know, I think it, to, to circle back to the playoff discussion, part of the reason that it's so hard to figure out who number four is, maybe there's just a big break from three to four. I mean, with the numbers, it looks nice and stacked and all that, but the truth is the num- the, the teams aren't as close as the numbers would suggest. And we went to a four-team playoff because sometimes you were leaving out a third team that deserved a shot, but that doesn't mean there's a fourth team that deserves a shot. Maybe there really is this Grand Canyon separation between team three and four. Whether you think four is Cincinnati or A&M or Coastal Carolina or USC. Yeah, and to your point, like, and Notre Dame did beat Clemson, but I know you're going to, everybody's going to fire back. Well, Trevor Lawrence wasn't on the field. Yeah. Well, Notre Dame still won the game. And as somebody that went to a Catholic school for 12 years, I've struggled with this all season because you want to, you watch Notre Dame and you're like, okay, they're ready. It's 1980s all over again. They're going to go win the national championship. But uh, they've got to do it twice. And that's the problem with the playoffs in some ways is you have to have a team that's built to beat a Clemson 
and in Alabama. Okay, you know, and LSU was able to do that last year, but they also played Oklahoma in the first round. You know, Clemson had to go through Ohio State, then LSU. It's not easy to do. So uh, I think Notre Dame's really good. I think they are playoff worthy. If they beat Clemson, it'll add a little jolt to the playoff too, because you know they'll get Alabama or Ohio State in the next round. That'll be a lot of fun. So what changed with Notre Dame? Because it seemed like it was slipping, the academics were too tough, blah, blah, blah. And Kelly, if they're that good, then he's gotten them back. He has. He's done a good job. Well, I mean, look at their pieces. They've got NFL guys. They've got an NFL tight end. They've got an NFL running back. Ian Book has been awesome. I mean, I, he, I don't know where the criticism of him come, comes in. He's a good player. And then their defense, they've got an All-American linebacker. Um I think that Clemson loss in particular kind of opened his eyes to what he needed to do and who he needed to recruit, and and they looked pretty good doing it. I I don't think that Clemson win was a fluke. I know Trevor Lawrence didn't play, but the other quarterback, Yuanga Lele, I had to learn how to say that, but uh, he played well. And um, they didn't run the ball, and they didn't play good defense. So Notre Dame won that game. So Urban Meyer still resonates here after all these years and all the uh, the winning 22-2 and two at Utah and then off to Florida and Ohio State, and he's on Fox, and we see him every week, and he's been talking about BYU, so he stays relevant. Is he going to coach again, or has he finally found his niche in TV, and that's going to be it? Well, I think the fact that he turned down Texas is an indicator that he's comfortable in the booth, at least for a little longer. Um, he, he does a fantastic job there. He... Uh, you know, he's got a charismatic personality, wins big wherever he is. He's going to be – I only think there's a select few jobs that he would be willing to entertain if he did come back. And and I thought Texas might be one of them. I think USC is one of them. Those kind of places where you can build a national championship contender in a hurry. So, But a lot of it will come down to his family and his health. And those were very real things at the end of his Ohio State tenure. And, you know, there's there's that chance that he never, he's like Bill Cowher, that he just never comes back and – but yet we always talk about it because we know how good he really is. Bill, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on the air and uh, talking with us. Hey, no problem. You guys have a happy holidays. I appreciate you having me on. Bill Bender, you can read his work at the Sporting News. He's a national college football writer for the Sporting News based in Columbus, Ohio. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, everything we've been talking about in this show, next. Stay with us. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. I think when the time comes after the season's over, I'll, I'll have a pretty good idea of what to do. You know, really the plan for me now is to, um, you know, finish up this week, um, get to a good bowl game, uh, compete, win the bowl game, and then, uh, you know, it really goes from there. And, and right now my plan is to come back next year. You know, really I haven't thought about it because uh, all my focus is with these boys. And um, I really think when the time comes, I'll know what to do. There is the Cougars quarterback, Zach Wilson. And PK, 
Earlier this morning, you referred to as a canned answer what every junior in college has to say when he's having an outstanding season and showing up in very high in mock drafts. What else are you going to say? And when the time comes, he'll know what to do, and the time will come in January to declare for the NFL draft. It's a personal decision. I view it like a mission. If you want to go, go. If you don't want to go and you want to stay, stay. It's the same thing here. Uh, he's in a win-win situation, and that's the best situation to be in, where you literally can't lose. I don't see where he can lose in whatever he decides. If he wants to go, great. Everyone's going to support him. Not that he really cares about that. The people around him certainly are, and I think Kalani Sataki is. Obviously, selfishly, he'd, Kalani would love to have him back, but I don't think that they view things selfishly in this situation. You do what's best for the individual. So go ahead and get your feedback. Because, you know, right now, I'm sure he's aware he can't be, especially today's youth with their access to social media and his mother being so far out there. And, DJ, we do got bad news on that. Uh, His mother has made her Instagram account private, and I'm not – what, a follower, Yak, or a member, or whatever I'm not. So I don't have access to her daily thoughts anymore, which I absolutely still do. sucks. I still do every day. Okay. Yeah, and I've been blocked by other high-powerful people on Twitter, so you'll have to keep me up to date on also those things, true. too. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. So Should we do PK's like daily I, social media roundup or something? Call it yeah, a set. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. like it. I like it. Here's what I Lisa like Wilson it. said today. Here's what certain like other folks. <laughs> Here's who blocked me today. Yeah, that's all and here's I, what they're that's saying. A sign of privilege. Here's the most outrageous thing I saw on social media. Actually, I don't give a crap what any of them say, but whatever they want to do is fine with me. So he knows about what people are saying about him, but I don't think that he's. And maybe I'm wrong, but this isn't the time of year and during the season to go get that official feedback. And he'll go get that official feedback, and then he'll make a rational, intelligent decision. Because you look at this kid here, and he's been through a little bit during his time at BYU, has some highs and lows. Absolutely. But all the while, he's maintained a level of maturity that I think you have to be impressed with him. I think the uh, pros will look for that. I think regardless, it might be a little different in baseball because they're drafting high school kids. They still want to see it. They just don't have as much opportunity. But in football and in basketball, where you've got, and, and football more so than basketball because the basketball players come out earlier, but you have a chance to have adversity. And how do you handle it? How do you bounce back? And I am 100% sure that NFL people will be trying to find that out. You and I have both had scouts. When they know we cover somebody, they want to know what somebody is like. You know, when Kyle Kuzma was at the U, I got asked, what, what is he like? Like, he's the most blunt, direct dude. Like, you just ask a question, and you get an answer. He didn't have any time for any nonsense or anything. You know, it's just kind of who he is, and I think we've seen that going forward. And I think that people will want to know with Zach, hey, there were painful losses. There were fourth-quarter blown leads. Uh, there were multiple injuries and multiple rehab. And so, you know, there were highs and lows, and it was a roller coaster. And how do you handle that? And they want to know that because whatever the issues are, and, man, you can speak to this, PK, whatever the issues are, when you give somebody a lot of money, that does not eliminate the issues. 
No, not at all, certainly. In fact, it actually increases yeah. that. That's what I've been saying about these college kids, giving these kids money. Well, you better give them some training, too, because a lot of them, or at least some of them, I don't know to what it percentage, come from impoverished backgrounds, and all of a sudden you're going to throw some money at them. Well, they're going to be people with their hands out, and how do you handle that? So, you know, in unintended consequences, giving kids money, now I think that Zach Wilson is going to be fine in that regard because you look at him, I don't think he's had any missteps. And he's handled things very, very well. Uh, he's a good interview, but doesn't really give himself up to put himself in a position to say something that's going to come back to bite him. So he's really handled all this attention in, in a manner that it, it reminds me of the way John Beck did. John Beck always made himself available for interviews and gave you in-depth, deep answers. And at the same time, he never really had any missteps there. so And maybe that's the connection because what I learned this year is Zach Wilson drove uphill in reverse hmm. 14 hours a day to meet with John Beck. Uphill in reverse. That's great. <laughs> he walked in the snow to California. <laughs> no, pulled a handcart in the snow to California. Nice touch, Yach. And nice touch. to add it to our station... Fortunately, because I think John was down in the Orange County area, Zach did not get derailed in San Bernardino. <laughs> Good. Nice. Well played. Hold on. Where are you? I'm in a, uh, San Bernardino. I'm in uh, San Bernardino. Gotta... Still the number one, what would you call it, drop of all time in sports radio history <laughs> in Salt Lake City? A classic, to be sure. <laughs> I, I think it's number one. <laughs> my line, my lineup, I don't have a fourth. I've got a big three. It's uh, San Bernardino, first team all whacker, and you don't sound like a Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> That's my big you know, three. How you hanging on? Where are you? I'm in uh, San Bernardino right now. You know what, Just though? An under- absolute Yeah, cluffer. but underrated and all of that. What about the day? What? Were you there today? The and I don't know. It doesn't quite fit, but I heard it was awesome. But I think Hatch was filling in. Ryan Hatch was filling in for me and spilled coffee all over himself. And the screaming, ooh, it's hot. Was that in the morning show? Were you there for that? Or was that in the afternoon it was, show? It was It was not in the morning. I think it was uh, midday. He's a first-team that, all-whacker. That's, that's not really a screw-up. I don't know, spilling boiling coffee all over yourself. Uh, yeah, but, but it's that different. Can it's different. That's it not a different. radio drop. No, it's different. That could happen. You don't really sound like a Debbie. Well, I've been one for a long time. <laughs> you know what doesn't get credit there? Is that she handled that so well. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Well, yes, that literally perfect. Well, I've been one for a long time. <laughs> uh, and she didn't miss a beat. <laughs> That was what was so awesome. She went right into that. And what were, I don't even remember what she was talking about. No, I don't either. Uh, youth Cougars jazz, whatever. I mean, it was a... Uh, and I don't understand why you questioned her gender. It made no sense. Because uh, her voice was deep and because really our producer like at the time... I've been one for a long time. We have, a, <laughs> we have a different... Uh, I, don't her, I don't think her voice sounded like a man. Is that what you're insinuating? That's what I thought at the time. It's not Her voice does not now. sound like a man. Well, I misread it, clearly. I mean, we've established <laughs> that over the decades. I know, but why even bother to bring it up? That's a good point. <laughs> because 
<laughs> well, never mind. <laughs> I can't just explain my way deeper into the hole. Let's just go to San Bernardino, people, and get somebody who was all whack first team. And there you go. And then we just have it all at the same time. And and I, and I was disappointed in myself yesterday because as I sat down at 7 o'clock to watch that Boise BYU basketball game last night, I thought, how many times are we going to interview Riley Jensen on the very night that one of our teams is playing Boise and, and we didn't bring, bring it, it up? up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's another one. Yaki, you got another one. I don't know He's why I'm doing this. These, these reflect poorly on me. <laughs> but you got the uh, uh, PK was gone and Pace was there, and I nearly, I nearly killed Pace. He was so startled, you know. <laughs> I was trying to say NASCAR, a spectacular wreck. Got the wrong vowel. It happens on Monday mornings. <laughs> Paces. <laughs> the yeah, white. but that's more the, understandable. The white, I, yeah, but it's still not good. And the white all well, the no, way around Paces. Rack. <laughs> and the white all the way around Paces. Pace was not completely awake. I mean, he was willing to fill in and be a team player, but it wasn't plan A for Pace. But that I will, just have gender identification issues. Well, and then up. you had the ultra big flag, but you left out a letter. But those Retail things are understandable. Get the ultra big flag to what? call uh, the ultra big flag. <laughs> now that was edited. It had to be edited. We can't constantly repeat that. It was wrong the first time. We didn't need to. But that is what far more first? understandable. Look into your crystal balls. Pardon? Yes. Yeah, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> that was more on you. That was more you creating comedy there. <laughs> and then, of course, you, the ultimate John Boy naivete hey, with the Marshall Falk. I'm as pure as the driven snow, people. <laughs> never. That one's a deeper cut. Give me a minute. <laughs> never. A, we're, we're not supposed to re- reflect on the last 20 years. We're supposed to be reflecting on what happened in the show. Hey, I know, but BYU Marshall Falk happened in the last, what, three years, I'm pretty sure. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> yeah, that was a three or four year ago deal. BYU did lose to Boise State. Gave him gave him a two touchdown lead and rallied to tie the game, but couldn't uh, couldn't come back and win it. I mean, obviously Boise State has their crack. <laughs> and the W belongs to Emmanuel Acott, who hit the big three with 13 seconds left when the game was tied at seven. How'd that dude get so freaking wide open? That's an excellent. Me. An excellent question. Who decided they needed to go help somewhere? A freshman. You were running around a great defense and leave a dude wide open. (laughs) (laughs) Wide open. And and, uh, to Yach's point, uh, who is going to emerge as the third scorer? You know, Barcelo, uh, and then obviously you're going to throw the ball into Harms, and he had 18 and Barcelo had 22. But when Barcelo wasn't hitting early on, uh, they had nothing. Literally nothing. Eight minutes into the game, zero points, 0 for 8 to start the game. And just really stagnant and standing around. I think a lot of that is due to unfamiliarity with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in some cases, the coach and the system. I mean, it's just all, Everybody's it's all sure. brand new. And I think that's the perils of relying so much on transfers. It was much better coming out of halftime. So I guess that gives you hope that big picture they can fix a lot of this stuff. You know, there is talent there and, and stuff will go better. But you're right. When you've got a lot of transfers coming in, you get talent, but you're also going to have people who aren't familiar. And you're not going to have the uh, Dave Rose's program guys, the glue guys, who know how to run the offense, know how to space the floor, know where to be, even though they're not the guy who's getting 15 shots. And plus, they lost a heck of a lot of talent 
off of last year's team. In terms of numbers, I can't remember the last time a BYU basketball team lost this much talent when Jimmer, Jimmer. left. <laughs> but but that that's not numbers. That's individual. I'm talking bodies when I say numbers. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like points per game. No, I, yeah, that's seven why I seniors off it. last year's right. team. Yeah. When you just that's a that is a heck of a lot of guys to lose, and that team was really good. You should be losing year. three or four, and they doubled it up. Right, and so yeah, when you I can't recall a team losing that much in the number of bodies. And so it stands to reason you're not going to be as good or it's going to take some time for you to get as good if you can ever get there. Yeah. Uh, the other thing we hit on in college football, the Utes are playing at 10 a.m. Utah and Colorado got moved out of Friday night, FS1, and they are replacing the Ohio State-Michigan game that won't be played because Michigan has a COVID outbreak. So they are 10 a.m. big noon kickoff on Fox. Yeah! Oh, I totally the think that's whole a, yeah. country is going to be able to see him. The highest rated games are the games on the over the air networks. You know, they're the hundred percent of the homes get those stations. I don't know what ESPN is in eighty or eighty five percent or something like that. Maybe it's dropped with the cord cutting, but um, but they got streaming too. And then you so. got Urban gets to talk about a team he coached. Yep, yep, and he will. And Colorado is 4-0, but they have largely played the bottom and middle of the league, and the Utes are 1-2, and and they have largely played the middle of the top of the league. So it's curious. Now, they both seem very run-dependent, and it seems like it ought to be a big smash-mouth game. Uh, you know, we've got, uh, you got a Colorado team that's got a back averaging 180 yards a game. That is just a massive number. Which I think favors Utah because teams don't normally run the ball a lot on the Utes. So go right at their strength. And see if it works. And that's been Utah's strength for many, many years. Jarek Broussard, averaging six and a half yards a carry, 733 yards through four games. Yeah, I think he's like second in the NCAA, isn't he? Something like that? Uh, I can look that up, but yeah, that number he ought to be. I thought I saw that somewhere along the lines. He's a Texas kid. I wondered if he was another really good back out of Southern California, and that's what Oregon State had and has in Jamar Jefferson, although he didn't play against the Utes. So. No, I don't think you would get uh, many Californians who would go to Colorado. That seems like a long reach. You're literally try- uh, flying or driving the length of the conference. So I think they think of uh, either a little bit over in the desert, they think of Utah, or they think north. I don't think they think Colorado. Be interesting to see if that changes over time or if that's just the way it is. I think it's just the way it is. Yeah. Colorado, uh, in their glory days, was in the Big 12 and recruiting out of Texas. So the change in the conference makes sense for a lot of reasons. But when you look at recruiting football players, that is a hurdle that's got to be cleared. I think it's just a long way to go. Why go there? If you're a California kid, where it is a long way to go. why, Why go there? There's so many places that you can go. And be successful, particularly if you're a running back. Why would you go fly over Salt Lake City to go to the Denver area? If I'm a running back? Then I just go to Utah. Yeah. Go to Utah and be the guy. Exactly, because you know if you're you're the guy there, there's a good chance you're going to play in the NFL. Uh, The rushing yard stat is not a great stat because teams have played so many different uh, numbers of games. So i got to see if I can find a uh, 
better uh, rushing yards per game will probably well. I think college stats are skewed anyway because you factor the level of competition. I think the pros when Locke comes on and starts reciting their this and defense in the NBA and that whatever whatever it might be, those are far more legitimate because the competition is basically the same. Jarrett Patterson at Buffalo in the MAC is at 230 yards per game. He leads the country. Jarrett Broussard at Colorado, second, 183 yeah. yards per game. And the guy that the Utes didn't see, Jamar Jefferson, Oregon State, is right. third at 169 yards per game. Yeah, and he had to sit out for protocol, whatever yep. that means. So that I assume it means he was exposed, up. not that he had it. It, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe his roommate had it or something. I don't know, maybe another running back and he was in the room, whatever it was. Right. All right, DJ and PK, anything else you want to share? Anything else you want to recap from this show? We did talk with uh, Bowler about the Jazz. They've got their first preseason game Saturday and their second Monday. All the preseason games are on TV. And we talked Rudy Gobert's contract. Not a lot of clarity for the fans. It's pretty quiet. It is an intriguing situation going forward to see what they do. And we knew it was going to come to this. And then this is a good situation to be in because that just means the player is good. And so you got to decide what you want. If the player isn't good or isn't making enough impact, well, then nobody cares. So the good side of it is that the player is really good, and then they have to decide. Now, Gobert has spoken many, many times of wanting to win a title and wanting to win it in Salt Lake yep. City. So at the same time, if he should leave, uh, that doesn't mean what he said was not genuine. Because he said it at the time, things change, this is a business, we understand all that. So I do think that, uh, you know, he's sincere in saying what he says, and and I don't know that it'll happen. I hope it'll happen, particularly while I'm still employed in sports radio, uh, selfishly. And uh, they have a decision to make, and it's an ongoing thing there, too. And then when you factor in, I would think that <clears throat> the ownership change, I don't know this because I don't know what the bylaws are how it works, but I would think that uh, the new ownership is already intimately involved in this because we know it's going to happen. The I, league is going uh, yeah. to approve it. I would uh, I would assume that where they are with that is that you can be involved but keep it quiet. Uh, you know, there's a recognition that that's an enormous amount of money and a yeah. rubber stamp might be too strong, but I, it seems highly likely that this is going to be approved. Is he owner-elect? Can we call him that? (laughs) And there's no disputing here. We don't need to recount nothing. Right. So I think that you can be involved, but, you know, be discreet and keep it quiet. (laughs) You know? Do you have to be, though? You know, that's an interesting thing. Do you have to be? You know, what would the other owners say? What would the commission say if it got got loud? I think they just preferred, and you're the new... You're the new person, so you just so you don't give any interviews or have be right exactly public, but exactly. But that doesn't mean you can't be on the phone with senior basketball people well, or a player or an agent. Be, man, yeah. this is going to happen. It's going to be a changeover. You, uh, the, everybody wants it as smooth as possible. Let the yeah. guy do his job. The ownership has agreed to sell it to this man. This man have, meets all the care uh, qualities that you need and checklists. And let him let him get going here and take care of it. Uh, John Wilner has just tweeted out something about the Pac-12 title game, and we will get to that. And actually, it makes sense, so it probably won't happen. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Time for your feedback. 
John Wilner at Wilner Hotline is tweeting out my speculation Pac-12 schedule for Week 7 will pair division runners-up in the same location as the title game. If a championship game participant is forced to back out in the last 24 to 36 hours, then the replacement process is easier. What? That's a lot of logic there, PK. Explain it to me. Break that down. I lost track. Okay, let's say USC and Washington are in the title game. Uh-huh. Whoever he's saying, whoever finishes second in each division, have them play each other and have them play each other close to the title game, which I assume you're not going to play in L.A. right now, right, the way California's going. So USC would be at Washington. So you play the second game up in the Pacific Northwest somewhere so that you can put a team in quickly into the title game in case somebody has a late outbreak. Make sense to you now? You got it? I don't know. What difference does it make? Well, they want a championship game because they get paid for it. That's what difference it no, makes. No, I, yeah, I got that, but I'm so, talking about you have a second what, place team there. If USC had I understand an out, that. If USC had an outbreak, have Colorado nearby so you can rush them in and make sure you no, still have a championship what, game. What do you mean rush them in? Rush them in, guys! What, you got to like go the, play right the morning there. of. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. Would they try to rent, uh, you know, the Seahawks Stadium and have Oregon and Colorado playing on a neutral site there <laughs> later? You're already in Seattle. Nobody's got a quarantine. So what do you do with the one team that's left out? Sorry, you go home? If that happened, yeah, that's what they would do. You better leave a second place team <laughs> hanging the than point? to not have a title game. To get paid for the title game. So the network says, we're not writing you a check for well, a title play, game. Well, they play, you just de- de- delay it a day. Well, we've seen teams shut down for two weeks. And you can't shut it down for two weeks. No, but there, somebody, if you want to have a title game, then just say the next man up, yep. whatever team, and then delay it a day or two. We've seen teams on a 24-hour, 48-hour, no, 24 is too soon, but 48-hour notice, so then just go down and Cal, you're next up. Well, we're one and four. So what? You're in. <laughs> <laughs> What's the point? That's the whole thing. Uh, the point at this point is to A, make money, B, the players want to play. That's why they right. were writing letters. And that's so the have the game. You, I don't see where you need to go through that dog and pony show. What's I get that. Have the game. That's the point. So, But you will have the game. Have it on Monday. Have it on Tuesday. You will have the game. I'm saying you don't need to worry about the integrity of, well, this is the true champion of the North and versus the true champion of the South. That is where there's no point to it anymore. And that's why put they're, somebody that's, in there. That's why Flip a coin. That's why they're willing to put the second place in team in there. Warm bodies. Oh, we got and news. The, we got news. Go what do you got, Yak? So College AD, they do a lot of stuff uh, with coaching and administration saying, sources, Utah State is nearing a deal to name Blake Anderson its next football coach. He is currently the head coach at Arkansas State. ASU! Hey, I hope it happens because there's only one guy in Salt Lake Media who's been to Arkansas State multiple times. That is true. Jonesboro is your second home. (laughs) It was for a good while. Uh, My wife's grandmother had money, so I went there often. Um, but Arkansas State has been a bunch of coaches have gone through there and moved on. It is a stepping stone job. Harson Brian Harson at one point for one yep. year was there. Yeah, and was it Melzon? Was he there for one year? I believe as well. Uh, Anderson's kind of broken the trend of being there for a short time. He's been there for a little bit longer than most. And then they though. had that. So he's what, due. 
And his wife died of breast cancer. Am I correct? Remember that story? Just this past off season. I want to say it was. I'd say it was. No, it, was it was the beginning of beginning, last season. Yeah, beginning of last season. You're right. I think it was like August ish of uh, 2019. It was a very tragic story, and because I have a loose connection to Arkansas State, obviously I have been there because my wife's grandmother did live there. I've been there many times, and I'd bore, was I've got I've seen sporting events there, and so I loosely follow it. I remember that story. You've also seen uh, seen them play in a neutral venue. They played uh, Utah basketball. Yes, NCAA tournament in New Orleans. Yeah. All right, we got some people tweeting at us. You Chasta trailer. Uh, would they rush them in in the morning of the game so they can win by nine and not by two? Oh, that's good. That that's is excellent. good. Yes, you Chasta trailer. That's two different things. That wasn't the same game that he wanted to win by right. nine. Right. Oh, it by makes two. it that all was, the more impressive. That was Stanford. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. totally, you Chasta trailer is all over it. Thankful. I love that. I've never met him, but I love him. Uh, Christopher says, I thought the Pac-12 title game was permanently moved to Vegas. Did I miss something? Yes, they delayed that one year and decided to play it on a home site this season. And the whole Vegas experiment with the Pac-12 title game, kind of following in the footsteps of the wildly successful basketball tournament, uh, will start next year when they can put fans in there, hopefully. That's great. Uh, also, you Chasta trailer says, my top three zone sports net drops are San Bernardino, All Wacker, and Pro Bowler. Pro Bowler? Pro Bowler? Pro Bowler? Pro Bowler, that was a funny exchange between (laughs) Lloyd and uh, Jake Scott, definitely going back and forth on that, not knowing who's on first. That that was funny. Let's get to the audio vault, though, Tony. Here we've got a former Pro Bowler who apparently now is a lingerie, uh, lingerie league football coach. Is that right, Lloyd? That's correct. A bowler? Clark. What does is, what is bowling have to do with football? Oh, well, a lot, actually. Uh, well, just ask Mike, I, I, yeah, Mike Sanford. I talked to Mike Sanford. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's at length about that. Yes, <laughs> yeah, we had, a, we had a very long conversation. <laughs> Apparently he's flipping out on the refs, though. Hit it, Lloyd. All right, we are all done. Scotty and Hands are coming up next. We will see you tomorrow. We'll see what Scotty has to say. What can Scotty add to the Arkansas State story? DJ and PK, we'll see you tomorrow.